0: and we are back with another edition of the daily dots and I am joined by the brain trust mr chase Taylor again today um you know weird year and weird day for a weird year um for those of you that are probably looking at the indexes if you're well I mean let's face it right you guys you guys do the dots to know what happened in the day of finance so I gotta assume you haven't even seen a ticker um i'm just kidding uh anyway though strange day you know it started off like the right re- <laughs> right it looked i looked very similar to the last couple months Right, just grinding up on no news and then all of a sudden and no real news announcements came out there was no real rate volatility dollar didn't do anything crazy and w- what was it about chase was it about the 10 30, 11 mark 11, 11 p.m. mark on the day, somewhere right I – was, I was recording an interview with Dimitri Kifinis, um, for our end-of-the-year special on the show. So I wasn't even watching the tape. I got off the interview and looked at it, and I was like, oh, geez, the cues are down almost 2%. What uh, – when did it start, Chase? When, when did that kick off? The, and, and,
1: the 11 o'clock hour.
0: Yeah. Um, the other interesting thing well, I – Out west, to, that is. Yeah, you don't want to make too much of it. You know, because it's one day that that's just, there are days here. Here's, <clears throat> here's why I think we got to watch this. Everybody listening to this knows our macro outlook. Everybody listening to this knows what I think about the valuation and fundamental side of this thing. So we don't need to beat that dead horse. Um, but here's why I think it's interesting. You and I have been watching volatility really carefully. Um, a big sign for me in the past, it hasn't worked every time, but it's been remarkably, it's been remarkably consistent. And it was all it was actually how we got the Volmageddon trade right was watching for conspicuous moves of volatility. So on a day, let's say the market's up 50, 60, 70 bips, everything looks normal, and all of a sudden vol's popping for no reason out of nowhere. Now it didn't pop, but the last look. This whole year has been a dot downward grind on volatility. Um, we've had other periods like it, but it, it's it seemed there were parts of this year that seemed, um, that, that were most similar, at least from my perspective, to that twenty eighteen. You know, just from twenty seventeen to twenty eighteen, when everybody and their mother was selling ball. Are you, are you are you participating with us today?
1: You you haven't stopped talking. Then. So, I, I mean, I got I to
0: I paused pause a couple there. times to let you in there. I just thought you were just uninterested. There, there were some short pauses. Uh, But you know what I'm saying? The, 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 vol, the action we saw in Vol this year seemed most reminiscent to me of the action that you saw much of 2017 and the beginning of 2018.
1: Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, just a bunch of lower highs, lower lows. Um, and e- even though there's a mechanical explanation for those like vol up stock up days. Like we got a couple of here lately. Um, and that's just, you know, typically around, um, options, expirations, like after those, you can get, get these, they, I don't know. I've noticed the same thing. It's not like, you know, done the math on it, but I've always noticed you tend to get some vol pops after those. Obviously if you can, um, trap dealers, options, dealers in a weird spot, you can make them kind of chase and things can get weird, but um yeah i mean it's it's just another case like where we saw that and the next thing you know we have this random i don't know where um stocks getting hit you know pretty decent uh i, I would say the worst is iwm i mean small caps that they go put in like what looks like a pretty epic breakout and the next thing you know it's one of the worst candles you've seen in, in months
0: yeah and hey, look it's one day i don't think you make too much of it but uh
1: Everything is like at the top of its range. So it's it's, it's like a weird, weird spot.
0: <laughs> Which you and I were talking about too. And, you know, the hey, the good news is, is I, next two weeks, you know, you'll have resolution of this, you know, you could be upward and onward tomorrow. And this is all put in the, uh, in the, in the, in the rear view mirror. Um, Look, I don't feel confident about much right now, <laughs> but, but what I, what I have felt is the most likely is that this was going to run to a point that forced everybody back in and then it was going to reverse itself. And and the re now look, I say that because I'm fundamentally anchored and that might be exactly why I'm wrong here. It just makes all the sense in the world to me.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's the way it works. Like you <laughs> you get everyone trapped on one side and then you go the other way even even if you're trending up or trending down like that's that's going to be the way it works
0: well and i think the it. look and i think the fundamentals warrant that i mean i think that the i think that the magnitude of the range that we're currently in is kind of ridiculous but it's emblematic of this entire market which is whatever happens in this market is going to be extrapolated out right like it's, it's going to be three times the event that it normally was, yeah. right? If we're going to get an upsurge, we're going to get the biggest month of the increased asset prices in history, right? If we get a downsurge, we're going to have the fastest five-week decline in history, right? It's everything is on steroids moving twice as fast. So maybe that explains the wideness of the range. But, in but, you know, and, and this is the other thing I want to be careful about because anytime a take on markets is intellectually attractive, <laughs> right? It's run, it, run, run the other way. But, but why it's interesting to me right here is because I, I, when I, when you look at the economics, I have a bearish tint to it. I still believe that we're going into a recession. With a big caveat being the government spending side of it and all that kind of stuff, but when you look at the economic data, when you look at where we're at, being range bound actually makes sense to me.
1: Yeah, I, and the, we, talk, we were we looking at the the small cap chart earlier. It's a perfect encapsulation of this. You, all you've done is go sideways for two years in a big range. Yep, and like I mean, perfectly, like like a genuine rectangle. Um, and this could just be more of that where. And like in the last two years, everyone's been really right and really wrong. You know, that- it, 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 if you kept the same like basic view, one year you were a genius and one year you were an idiot. And that, that goes for both sides of the camp. Like people that stayed bullish in 22 and you know, all the people that had to like write down all their tech stocks and their private equity stuff. And you know, you had growth, growth focused hedge funds blowing up. And then this year is like the exact opposite where, if you weren't like Chase Coleman chasing the big tech, like you got smoked. Um, yeah, he, so like the, he, he, the biggest idiots were the biggest winners this year, old, old, and Or vice versa.
0: Old, old Chasey boy paid a pretty good price for that good year, though. Yeah, wasn't he? Wasn't he down seventy last year?
1: It was something. It was big. It was yeah. like over forty. It was definitely reaching in that range of like you shouldn't do that.
0: <laughs> no, no, I know for a fact he had a he had one fund. He had one fund down. It was either sixty seven or seventy on the money last year.
1: That's a lot. That's too much.
0: <laughs> well, what he did is he just bought ARC and levered it up 2X last year. I'm joking. I'm joking.
1: Yeah, he uh, was even a lot of big tech stuff, but like his private stuff that he didn't even fully mark down in reality. Like Because he marked that, that stuff down like 25%, I want to say it was, uh-huh. even though listed stuff was down more than that. It's like, uh, come on, man. Yeah, no, no, no. And then they, and then they tried to offload a bunch of it. Then he
0: was selling it, yeah. It
1: was no bid. And It was just like they couldn't. They couldn't. Hey, is
0: Bla- Speaking of which, have we heard any news on is BlackRock going to – is are they going through with the release of their private equity ETF?
1: I I don't know. But that
0: was the funniest one to me. That was the funniest one to me in 2023.
1: They're all moving to to like pushing that stuff to the to the public though. For sure,
0: rates go through the roof, right? Delinquencies start climbing, and that's when we're going to democratize private equity. I <laughs> like I just couldn't think of the more more Wall Street thing.
1: Yeah, it's true.
0: Right. We're, we're now, now we're going to give you a bite at the apple. No, you're exit liquidity, guys. That's what you are.
1: I remember the, the 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 person, one of the people in charge of the, the private private credit fund they were, they were going to release to the public was saying, basically, like, well, I mean, it's not cash, but, like, it's pretty close. It's talking about, like, on a risk level, and I'm just like, oh, wow. Okay. Talking
0: about corporate debt.
1: Talking about, yeah, private credit, which is often – you know if it's structured right it can be a truly wonderful investment of clearly um if you're like a a bank that is a better underwriter than a bank which a lot of times private 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 credit can be but knowing what a lot of these people have been buying lately with the the bad you know underperforming uh, auto loans to to zoomers and stuff like that. if you no thank
0: you the problems are even more pernicious than that if you go but if especially if you're looking at private equity debt right um the problem started way before rates went up. You know, the, for years, you were sitting there looking at these deals where these guys are sitting there going, you know, <clears throat> looking at the companies and the companies are like, hey, we need more money. Private equity firms are like, well, you're not getting it. And they're like, well, great. Then we're going to default on the debt that you have right. already. And they're like, hold on a second. We'll get you some more. Right. So, I mean, you, you've been doing this for years. You've been stacking bad debt on bad debt where the only reason these guys were ongoing interest was because they could continually tap credit markets. That jig is up. Yeah. So it's not that you've got bad debt; you've got bad debt stacked on top of bad debt. It's like that one of that one guy was talking about turtles all the way down. Remember that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, you have that situation in private equity markets right now. Now again, it doesn't mean that the end the the outcome is certain, but it it, the, it is unquestionably the state in private equity markets. If you don't believe that there are a bunch of skeletons and a bunch of landmines in private equity markets right now, oh. I have a bridge to sell you. Yeah, they just are do all of these things that we're talking about add up to a guaranteed movement one way or the other on the overall market? No. Uh, But it just, the, the, this, this whole strong smoking, blowing economy thing is just complete. It's just complete nonsense. It, It, it like, if you're a bull here, you better be hoping for this thing to scrape along and get by without a recession because, and that's the thing that's so hard for me. Like I said, that, <clears throat> would make a lot of sense if this was the top and you stayed range bound until more of the things, you know, more, more of what's going on was more clear and more data came out. Um, the, the But the hardest thing to wrap your mind around in this environment is not that things can get better. It's that things are going to be good enough to justify what's happened in markets, especially in the last three months. And I just, I just can't see it, man. I just can't see it. And that's why I think today is interesting. I mean, look, we, we, we don't know. A day is a day. You want to go extrapolate a day in markets, good luck, because it's not going to pay you well. But where you're falling here, you know, just go look at all of them. You can go look at the behavior. Go look at all the FANG stocks. Every single day for like the last two weeks, one FANG stock in particular is getting a bigger run. It's like they're pushing it for a breakout and it doesn't quite get there. Then the next day they try the other one. It just – God, it just feels like a tired market to me and I just – and I continue to believe that the fundamentals are not supporting it. Then you saw more news out. Was it, was it today or yesterday? Uh, who released earnings? Oh, FedEx. Yeah. FedEx is a pretty good economic proxy. And remember, exactly. th- w- with the run up you've seen in multiples this year, you're not pricing a no recession, right? You're pricing Nirvana. Yeah. Well, look, if that's happening, you shouldn't see FedEx lowering their revenue outlook for next year, right? I mean, it just.
1: No, I mean, if the it, consumer it, it, is going to be hot and everything like that, why would? Well,
0: that? It, especially nowadays, I think you can make an argument that FedEx and UPS are better economic proxies than they were twenty years ago, due to online retail.
1: Yeah, exactly. It.
0: I mean, they they literally are right. I mean they're they're like they're like the modern day you know shopping cart. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if that's the right analogy, like modern day bag boy or whatever. But I mean, if you want to get a good pulse of the economy, go look at freight loads and freight expenses of FedEx and UPS. I mean, they give you a pretty good idea. And when they're sitting up there saying, and I look, I, we haven't heard UPS yet, but I can guarantee a UPS. Oh, I shouldn't say guarantee. I will be shocked if UPS tells a decidedly different story than, than, than FedEx does. Right. It's just bizarre. You, you, I, I've said it enough. Isn't it odd to you? And you and I have talked about this off air, obviously, but just to get your opinion on air. I think anything can happen, man. Like, Like I said, I've felt over and over. I've got my view. I've expressed my view. I am not married to it at all because I think the thing that I am the most sure of right now is that there is a load of uncertainty. I still believe you cannot hike rates like this in an environment like this without getting a recession, regardless of government spending. But strong beliefs loosely held. The, the oddest thing to me and I'd like to hear your thoughts on this the oddest thing to me is how I don't think markets are lined up for something that I disagree with i i i I struggle to find any economic anchoring to justify what markets have done especially the last half of this year
1: i, I just mean, i mean there is none but it it just goes back to the the, the rise of the machines, you know, as we yeah. talked about, it it really is just the. I know, obviously, we've talked about all the all the feedback loops and the way this thing feeds on itself, and the fact that you have the the prime mover and 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 uh, passive flows. I think I think now we just get like a snowball that goes like down the mountain and then goes up the mountain and then back, and it's going to take something to like kind of snap it either way to, to like go back to like the range we've been in for two years. Like everyone gets excited whenever we go down 30% and everyone gets excited when we go up 30% and reality in reality is we're just in this thing going sideways. Right.
0: We're on a financial treadmill. So
1: to me, nothing matters until it breaks, actually breaks, you know, call it that IWM like rectangle um, to the upside or the downside. You know, what's really odd about it too. Now,
0: again, it's only two years. It's only two years. So again, to extrapolate it, good luck. But what, what is interesting to me, and I, you know, I bet you if we dug around, we can find somebody that's done some research on this. What's interesting to me is that so far over the last two years, the pattern and the size of the range is remarkably similar to the last period of inflation that this country dealt with, right? In, if, from, from, from late 60s to early 80s, the market traded in about a 30% range. And never busted out of it to the upside or the downside for 15 years.
1: Yeah, you just melted on a real basis for for that period.
0: Yeah. Now, I will say this. I I don't think that – this time going around, I just don't think it's going to last 15 years just because nothing takes as long as it used to. It's true. Right? I mean, timetables have been truncated. It also goes – yeah, timetables have been truncated seriously, which is really really remarkable to see. Which is one of the reasons I think that the market moves so much more rapidly today and more violently than it has in the past. You know what I mean? The information is getting priced in so much quicker and so much more uh, universally than it used to. You know, you get a Fed announcement out, every portfolio's baked that in within 15 minutes after it happens.
1: And the, and the crazy thing is, is like, because of that balancing loop, like, everyone bakes it in and then changes the trajectory for the Fed. Like... Which we talked about this morning, how they just don't realize that the what the, the loop they've created where
0: No, they don't.
1: They get dovish and everything goes up and then all of a sudden like they have to get bearish or they have to get hawkish for no other reason than they got dovish.
0: Well and, and they yeah, and, vice and versa. well, because they have been the only game in town for so long. They've trained markets to do this, and you and I have been talking about this for the last year and a half. We're saying now all of a sudden they're dealing with inflation. All of their communication that they've done over the last fifteen years works against them in this environment. Right. Because like you were saying,
1: yeah, they got to shut up.
0: Well, yeah, because the minute you go out there and talk about three rate hikes, the market does or three rate cuts, the market does it for you within three days. You know, and then they got guys coming out afterwards going, trying to talk it back. And you go, how have you guys not realized this? You have to get and I will still say this. I went on a rant nine months ago on this whole deal. But, but I – you have to get markets back to a point where there is uncertainty about where you're going because I don't think their policy works the way they're currently doing it I because no, – They
1: just it, kneecap themselves by talking.
0: Yeah, yeah, and 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 the market starts pricing it in. They need to shut up and they need – they like I honestly think it would be good for markets on both sides, not because I think it would make it fall. I'm not a perma bearer that wants it done the way it was 40 years ago or anything like that, but – One of the things about the Fed is it it used to be a risk in some ways, right? Like you didn't want to get caught wrong footed because you didn't know what the Fed was going to say. That's no longer the case, right? Just the way that they advertise it and like you said – you know, I, I think the recent one by Jay Powell is a per, he comes out there and he's like, "Yeah, because conditions, are, you know, are doing this or whatever, we're going to be able to cut rates." And then, literally, the conditions that he was referring to that allow him to get cut rate or, or that are getting him to forecast cutting rates, they get undone the minute he says it.
1: Right. It reminds me of the the Jim Grant quote that progress is cumulative in science and engineering, but cyclical in finance. <laughs> and this, I so like back in the day, the Fed they would just show up one day. and am like, cool. Oh, we raised rates. Yep. And we're not, we're not having a press conference about it. Like it, it happened Yeah. and we didn't, you know, there was no, like we're going to let you know. So like maybe there was wisdom in that and we should go back to that. And it's not smart to have press conferences and dot plots and everything. And the dot plots is the perfect encapsulation of this because they started doing that for communications purposes to let, you know, Hey, like guide you to where we're heading here, where, what we're thinking. And now they're releasing them, and the market takes them and runs with them. And the Fed's like, no, 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 no! Like you don't understand what we mean by that. Well, look, (laughs) if you don't want people to take take the dot plot and run with it, don't release it. If it needs to come with a 15 page instruction manual about not taking it literally and everything, like just stop putting it out
0: and just shut up. The other thing is, like honestly, and I'm saying this, I honestly believe the Fed's job. Even according to them, this isn't me trying to reorder the way things work. Even for them, I just think their job would be a lot easier if they took more of that approach. It's one of the reasons that me, you, and Mirren, we all had slightly different takes on it. Remember when we did that talk with Mirren? We all agreed that the Fed throwing a surprise hike or cut or something, throwing something at the market that it wasn't forecasting would have been a good idea going into this. Because reintroducing that idea that the Fed can pivot without telling you, you know what I'm saying? Like, absolutely. It's kind of like it's kind of like
1: you're horrified to do something the market doesn't see coming. Horrified, right?
0: And 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 you look at them and go, okay, guys, that that fear you have is directly feeding into inflation expectations now, right? Meaning, meaning to me, it's like you know, I remember when my dad used to leave us home. You know, like we, he and my mom would go out to dinner. We were still young, you know, couldn't drive or whatever. And we'd be like, yeah, what time are you guys home? And he'd be like, we'll be home when we get home. <laughs> he didn't want to tell us, right? Why? Yeah. yeah, because you you know, and the Fed is out there going, we're going to be home at 846 PM, yep. right? You know, uh, that's 1146 Eastern Standard Time. You know, and you're sitting there going, okay, you got, you just undid it for yourself. You just made this harder, right? Um, I... I wonder if they're going to get it. I, 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 I doubt it. I mean, I don't see them changing or, or doing it. But it's just this recent one was just hilarious. You've got a market melt up in place. Then you come out. Financial conditions are loosening rapidly in front of you. You come out and you're forecasting three rate hikes. Then you got your other guys to come out there and talk it down. And they, you're just I don't even know what you're saying anymore.
1: <laughs> I don't think they do. Either.
0: They're just they're like the market ran with it. And I'm like, you've been the market for 15 years.
1: Of course. You I mean, you, you 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 gave him a handoff. Like, what do you want him to do with it?
0: Unbelievable. All right. Well, what else we got on the week? Um, not a lot, right? It's going to be pretty quiet between now and the end of the year, isn't it?
1: Uh, pretty much. So today we had some housing data, existing home sales, and mortgage applications. We had Conference Board, uh, which naturally, so like this is interesting to me. Is it blew expectations out for uh, consumer confidence, but like it's because the forecast was super low. It's like Gas gas prices went straight down. Stock prices went straight up. Like, Why wouldn't you think consumer confidence would blast off? Like, Of course it is. Um, You you know the other thing that I want
0: to bring – I don't mean to interrupt you, but I wanted to ask you this because I've been meaning to ask you this. Um, When you go look and you've had – you and I have had a couple of these in the last couple of days. Um, Data is interesting to me because um, some of these data points that get presented is like gospel you go look at their forecasting record and it's abysmal like mm-hmm. it it's you if you look at the forecasting of some of these data points it's Im, they're immaterial data points and i think consumer confidence is sort of one of those consumer confidence at least in the data points that you and i have looked at and that i've looked at on my own it it there especially at turns and inflection points the consumer data sentiment and all that kind of stuff it's almost always on the wrong side of it at the inflection points at the turns yeah i like consumer confidence was really high if i recall at the end of 07
1: and it was horrific the last year yeah it didn't matter at all right yeah just just like the cfo optimism was just brutal last year when things were great like it just you i've i've, I've definitely learned that the the sentiment pure sentiment stuff is just It's basically useless.
0: Well, and the one that I sent you to, when you broke it down for me, there there was that real estate piece of data that CNBC collected. Oh, that's crazy. And I shot it to you and I was like, whoa, and I I didn't take the time to read through it. But then reading how ridiculously composed that piece of information was, and then the fact they release it like legitimate data.
1: I know, like the fact that you would even write about that, it's just crazy.
0: Right, and it it wasn't that I agreed or disagreed or anything like that. When you explained to me, how vapid and thin that piece of data was. I just, I literally sat back and I was like, Who, why? Whose job is it to compile this? This is meaningless.
1: Yeah, so, so to catch people up on this, it, it was a, a holiday spending and the headline, and they put the headline out, even though they're the ones that did this awful data collection, um, about like 30%, like the people were going to spend 30% more over the holidays this year. And I'm like, That was the headline. A no, because we already know we already have we have enough data to know that's not even true, right? Right. But then you look at it, so that, like we asked a thousand people. Um and eighteen percent okay. said they were planning on spending thirty percent. Eighteen more. no, no, eight, no, no, not even that. It's not even that good. Eighteen percent said they were going to increase spending year over year. And out of that eighteen percent, a few of them were gonna increase spending by like a boatload. So it skewed the data to make it look like oh well. Of all these people, they're doing, you know, 30%. Like, actually, 18% of people are increasing spending. That's that's a horrifying sign. Yeah. Like, I it, sure, I, if someone's buying their, their neighbor a yacht for Christmas, like, yeah, you just messed up the data.
0: Well, and if I'm living on the wrong street, if that's the case, because they could buy it for <laughs> me. But uh,
1: <clears throat> speaking of the Chrysler's buildings for sale, if you're interested in getting me a present for Christmas. Is it? Yeah, I just saw that yesterday. It's my favorite building in New York.
0: Well, new Board Capital Headquarters.
1: There you go. Yeah. The Smith Tower was for sale too here there in Seattle, so that'll do. This is a constellation.
0: Well, I mean we need to be bi coastal. There you go. You know? Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> imagine filling out the credit report for that. Well, we're kind of big deal, man. It's about 800 million. We're going to take down the Chrysler building for you guys. <laughs> we're here to save the economy. <laughs> trying to do our part to stem uh, commercial office space uh, foreclosures
1: here and delinquencies. Not all heroes wear capes.
0: That's right. Yeah. Some of us wear polo shirts and vests, man. No <laughs> vests here, though. Have you noticed that we, I've never done a bulwark vest?
1: Yeah, I have. Yeah, I'm never going to do that. We, we do have one vest guy in the office I've noticed, though. I will...
0: Well, and he's one of the reasons I'm never doing a vest. <laughs> so just, just letting you know that. Anyway, all right, guys. Um, yeah, so strange day. Let's not make too much of it. But just interesting the veracity in which it pulled back. Uh, Also also the pop and also where it happened, right? Like just, you know, it's completely anecdotal, but coming into this year or, you know, really into this cycle at the end of 2021, I go back to that letter I wrote to our clients and I said, listen, I, I do think this cycle has peaked. I think that we're moving into a bear market, but I think it's going to stretch every bit of our resolve. I think it's going to press every extreme it possibly can. If this was indeed, if now, like I said, I think the nice thing is we'll probably know within the next two weeks. uh, If this was a top, it was one of those classic uh, catch, you know, ultimate bear bull traps, Um, or maybe it keeps running again. I don't know. Just I, I, I will say this: today felt like a glitch in the matrix.
1: Yeah. And maybe it was just one day glitch and we're maybe. right back to the highs tomorrow. And just passive flows again. But
0: yeah. But anyway, definitely worth watching. Uh, either way, we'll be back tomorrow to let you know how it how it sorted out. I think we should have an interesting end of the week and um, it'll be interesting to see where things end. So we'll get you then again tomorrow. If you're listening to Know Your Risk Radio podcast. Download and subscribe at knowyourriskradio.com.